0: You're listening to a podcast of Your Pet Matters with me, Dr. Michael Takewa, Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. on 1077thebronc.com. When your fluffy
1: family comes calling, you know you've got to answer because it's time for Your Pet Matters with our doctor, Dr. T of Progressive Veterinary Care. Progressive Veterinary Care, making waves in pet health care. To access more information, go to ProgressiveVeterinaryCare.com. Your pets are in luck because you're going to get all the best tips and tricks to take care of your fluffy best friends from their very own lifelong wellness partner. So let's get started with Your Pet Matters.
0: You're listening to a podcast of Your Pet Matters with me, Dr. Michael Takewa, Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. on 1077thebronc.com. Good morning and welcome to Your Pet Matters. I'm your host, Michael Dr. T. Takewa, and joining me live outside of a... I guess I can't name the name because I'm not sponsored by them. So a prominent corporate coffee shop that everyone knows. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what we'll leave it at that. But uh, It rhymes
2: with (laughs) schmarchmucks.
0: You could take the first four letters and, and form a word. <laughs> That's all we'll say. So, so joining me live is Stephanie Kaluski, owner and head dog trainer of Heavenly Hounds Dog Training uh, here in Lawrenceville. And, um, and maybe moving, right? In Lawrenceville? We'll see. Yeah, we we talk, we'll talk about things Expanding, like that.
1: Expanding, moving.
0: Yeah. But she's doing well and uh, she's busy. And she's great, and we always recommend her, especially if you've got a, a young puppy or even older pets or any adopted pets or any issues you may have. Just, you know, our first blind defense is to reach out to Stephanie, and she can she can help you there. Um, but why don't, why don't we talk about that, Stephanie? Why don't we talk about—it's um, been a while since you've actually just revisited the history of your— your business, mm-hmm. I always I always talk about you as the, I, I always mention why your name is your name. Yeah, and uh, people go, oh, <laughs> <laughs> that
2: makes sense. Yeah, no? <laughs>
0: because it's like Emily Help me out. Huh? Uh, <laughs>
2: Help me out huh?
0: Yeah, so but no, it, I, I think it makes sense on two levels. But why don't why do you tell our, our listening audience about just the history of your business and then let's talk about dog training in general, where you see it going. Okay, yeah.
2: So I've been in business uh, personally, uh, individually, about I guess the last six and a half years. I started. Probably about five or six months after my daughter was born, and she just turned seven, so that that always helps me remember how long I've been in business. Um, but I've been training for about twelve years now, and uh, after she was born, I realized that I wanted to make my own schedule and have some flexible hours having a newborn, uh, and and I did. I had my own vision for for where I saw dog training going, and, and my own vision for classes and, and what I wanted to provide for uh, community. And hey there, and uh, <laughs> so. Um, so I, I branched off and started my own business. Heavenly Hounds Dog Training, as Dr. T said, uh, is very uh, aproposly named. I, I have my uh, Master's in Divinity from Princeton Theological Seminary. Uh, short, uh, Long story short, I thought I wanted to be a, a, a minister, thought I wanted to be a pulpit preacher. And, uh, you know, six years later, I guess my congregation and my community is uh, is my dog training community and the people that I speak to uh, on a really a daily basis in, in classroom settings especially Uh, so um, yeah started offering uh, started with one class I remember it was around Thanksgiving time and I was so excited because I I had five people that uh, that signed up for that class around around that time in November and uh, that was one class one time a week and now we do classes seven days a week pretty much you know a few in the morning and all the way into the evening and it's growing and growing so I'm very happy about that.
0: No, that's excellent. And you also do a thing around Princeton um, for reactive dogs, right? Well, we do. So there's a
2: couple things that that we do uh, specialty type of training, but one of those is for peace walks. We haven't taken it outside of um, really the parking lot at Heavenly Hounds. Adrian Carson with Living and Learn Dogs and I, we hope this, this uh, spring into summer that we actually get to take it uh, maybe outdoors into Princeton or into different park settings um, and take some of these reactive dogs that we've already worked with in the level one Peace Walks class and take it into uh, into some new settings and new environments. Uh, but we do offer the Peace Walks class for reactive dogs, which is a very special, special type of training uh, because we're going beyond the obedience and working more on the emotional part of the dog. You know, these are the dogs that explode uh, every time they see another dog uh, when they're leashed. And that's an important factor is that when they're leashed, because a lot of these dogs are actually very friendly off leash. Uh, They go to Camp Bow Wow or or other doggy daycares. They have little doggy friends that they play with all the time at home. Are in the neighborhood but the minute you put the leash on them they really have a hard time so it's it's a really uh, special type of special type of training and really unfortunately it's really needed because we're seeing so many reactive dogs and I'm seeing an increase in that number as the years as the years progress so, you know
0: why do you know why do I, know why?
2: Uh, I, I I think that uh, a, a lot of it is just that <clears throat> you know we we you know, I don't know if it's that more people are, I don't know if you know the statistics on that, if more and more people are acquiring dogs, and, and so that's why we're seeing an insurgence in leash reactivity, because when people get a dog, they're normally also walking their dogs. And uh, that poses a, a, a big problem for a lot of dogs when they're walking down the streets in their neighborhoods and they see another dog directly approaching them. And a lot of the times, if you think about it, if you live in a, in a residential area, um, when you see someone approaching you on a walk, you can usually usually see them for a good block or two. So for dogs that are walking towards each other, that poses a real problem because they have all of that time to, to, to look at each other and stare at each other. And we're forcing them to, to continue in that straight line and continue walking. If these dogs were off leash, they would probably be you know scampering away and, and maybe up in a driveway or into the grass and sniffing something to diffuse uh, the situation as they're approaching. They would maybe actually decide that they didn't want to approach at all and completely move away from each other. But when they're leashed and especially with different types of equipment that we have the dogs on. Sometimes we're we're forcing their heads to stay upright. They're not allowed to get down to sniff and diffuse, uh, look away, anything like that. So you basically have two two big guys approaching each other, you know, on, on a on the street staring at two big at guys guy. I'm I know right I don't know that's the only thing I can imagine like these two big guys puffed up you know and, and directly, but they're scared
0: to death right but, but sometimes <laughs> at the
2: same time yeah at the same time but uh, yeah so so these two big guys are, have been looking at, looking at each other and giving each other threatening looks for that whole block so um, you know hey uh, but it, you know it depends because a lot of the times as humans we believe that just because these, these dogs are dogs uh, that they should automatically get along that they should automatically have to meet and again if you're if you're one of those guys walking down the street just because you see another human, and another male, do you necessarily have to go and like give them a hug and a greeting and say like, hey, you know, you Smell, smells, it, rear end. smells weird, go ahead, hey. smells rear yeah, end, oh what's God. your occupation, what's your emotional state? Um, no, you would get punched <laughs> or worse. So um, you know, unfortunately, we just think that because they're dogs that they have to meet. Which again, think about it: if you were walking on the street and you saw someone, it would be weird if you were like, hey, you're you're of the human species, let's high five or hug or yeah, or, or worse, sniff each other's rear ends. Um, so you know, dogs don't don't have to to meet on leash, and a lot of the times we were forcing them to do it, uh, and we're keeping them at uh, full frontal greetings where they're full nose to frontal. nose, nose to nose, eye to, eyeball to eyeball, and that's a direct threat to another dog. And, and like you said, dogs want to get to that rear end. Um, so some people, you know, are savvy to that, and they say, "Well, let's let them sniff." But then what ends up happening is that they end up circling, which most dogs do. They start sniffing and then go in a circle, and then the leashes get tight. So there's this whole, you know, there's this whole reason why why leash greetings are, are not something that dog should be doing and I tell every student that I work with, do not let your dog greet on the leash. Do not let your dog make friends on the leash. Uh, it, it will lead to more problems than not. So if you want your dogs to make friends, it should be off leash in a neutral environment supervised, uh, but not on leash. On, on leash, my, my new motto, I'm going to get t-shirts made, I'm going to get bumper stickers made. My new motto is mind, teach your dog to mind their own business. Mind their own business. That's what you want them to do. When they're leashed, they should mind their own business because I'm seeing so much leash reaction because these dogs are um, busybodies <laughs> and we're training them to be busybodies. So it's it's really important. So, you know, hey, I'm I'm thankful that we can offer, you know, to the community the peace box class, but in in reality I wish we didn't have to. Mm. I wish these dogs uh, you know weren't so frustrated, weren't so aroused, weren't so angry, weren't so scared when they were when they were leashed and had other opportunities to do different things.
0: And speaking of leashes, you really have this issue, as do many trainers, with retractable leads.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Can you explain the listening audience with what
2: I I carry scissors with me and I sniff them when I see them. (laughs) Uh, Retractable leashes are dangerous. Well, you know, just from an obedience perspective. They don't they don't help you if you're trying to train your dog to walk nicely on a leash because there's never really any slack in that lead. The retractable leashes, there's always some tension. I know that you can lock lock the leashes and then maybe create a little bit of slack, but that's difficult to do. Uh, so it's 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 hard to really teach your dog to walk nicely on a leash because they're constantly walking, you know, that 10 feet ahead of you on a um, on a very tight lead. So from an obedience perspective, that's one of the reasons I don't like it. From a safety perspective, uh, if a dog pulls, if you're if you're not expecting them to pull. If they see a squirrel, they dart off to the left, and you're holding that uh, that big plastic handle. A lot of the times, I've seen those handles slip right out of the owner's hands, um, and then the dogs are running scared because now they have something big, big plastic. And, yeah, exactly. Essentially, chasing them that they can't get away from, so they just keep running and running because they're trying to get away from the handle uh, that's that's going across the pavement. Um, also, from a safety perspective, perspective, the actual leash itself is very dangerous. It can burn. It, it, I've I've been burned very badly across my uh, across my knee, getting wrapped around in, in one of those things. So, I understand that people want their dogs to be able to have more freedom and, um, you know, bug, I guess I can't say my new dog anymore. He's going to be with us for almost a year. I can't believe it in just a, about a week or so it'll be his year anniversary. his gotcha day. Um, he, he, is a little hunter and he likes to, to have that freedom on a leash. So I do have a 15 foot lead, but it's basically just like a regular standard leash, just a regular standard, you know, uh, actually mine is leather leash so that he can have that 15 feet away from me and a way, um, you know, to be able to do his little hunting sniffing but then when we go let's say i walk him a lot to go get my daughter from school then i can bunch it up and, and make it a regular standard six foot leash safely without any of those other issues so
0: the leash is actually bigger than bug though right the, the leash is bigger
2: than <laughs> yeah yeah but but he doesn't think that nothing he doesn't think anything's bigger than bug
0: <laughs> he's like six inches off the ground yeah, right
2: but he he rules the roost
0: <laughs> i love bug
2: yeah he's a funny little character so, yeah. So that's my take on retractable leashes. If you want your dog to have more freedom, just get a regular standard, you know, extra long training lead.
0: Perfect. Yeah. Great advice. Yeah. Okay. And we're, we're going to take a short break and we'll come back uh, talking to Stephanie. We're going to talk about the term practice and what she learned from a, from a, uh, what, what is he? He's a guru of, I don't know. he's a life what, guru, what call himself? self-motivation guru. Yeah. I don't know what he is, yeah. but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll learn what, what she had from that. Yeah. Yeah. You're listening to Your Pet Matters on 1077, 1077, thebronch.com. Time spent with our pets is never
1: wasted, but that's why it's important to take the time to care for their health. And right here is the best place to do it with Your Pet Matters. So let's bring it to their lifelong wellness partner, Dr. T of Progressive Veterinary Care. And let's keep their tails wagging with Your Pet Matters.
0: Welcome back. If you're just joining us, my special guest today, live from a famous coffee shop. (laughs) But we're coming live um, in Lawrenceville and. The first segment we talked about Stephanie's business, and um, we talked about reactive um, leash reactivity, and we talked about retractable leashes. We had three good points there, and she wants to talk about the concept of practice. Um, The old saying, "Practice makes perfect," and and uh, and and how she feels and what her view is on that uh, about for dog training, I guess for life too, right?
2: Right, yeah. right, right. So, uh, yeah, so we all know the, the, old saying that practice makes perfect. And, and, uh, when I heard, you know, we spoke earlier about, uh, about Tony Robbins when I was listening to him at, at one point, I heard him say, no, that's not true. It's not about the fact that practice makes perfect. It's about the fact that perfect practice makes perfect. And, and I, that really hit home for me for dog training, because I really feel like that's what I'm trying to explain to my clients every single day, uh, trying to tell them it's not about letting your dog practice the behaviors that we don't want them to practice. Uh, we only want them to practice the behaviors that we want them to practice. So those behaviors are the behaviors, uh, that we see over and over again because they've been rewarded. Uh, you know, in, in the podcast that I was listening to referring to, to people, I guess there was a study done, and I cannot quote the study, but I'm sure I can find it if anyone is interested, uh, about some, some basketball players. And, uh, you know, that some ba- they, they took two different groups, and they took a, the one group it was, they're not going to practice for two weeks. They're going to um, explain to them how to visualize the perfect, what is it called, a, f- a free, free throw?
0: Free throw. Free
2: throw. Thank you. I don't <laughs> follow basketball. I'd be like, the perfect home run. No, but the the perfect. The perfect So
0: that would be tossing the
2: treat. Yes, tossing the treat to the dog, and the dog catching it. Um, So the, you know, what does that look like? And I I guess they went into specifics, like what is what does your hand look like? What does your body look like? Uh, You know, and it is really the importance also for human beings, not for dogs so much, but the the importance of visualization. So Visualize the ball going into the basket. Visualize over and over again. Then they had the other group that just kept practicing for two weeks, just kept practicing. Well so which group at the end of the two weeks do you think was better?
0: The Zen guys, who've the Zen been guys who actually yeah. didn't
2: put their hands on a basketball, yeah. but just visualized it over and over again. They actually, when they came back, were actually more successful. And I guess you could say maybe better players at that point, or at least better in that category. Uh, so to, to me, that was just that was just so amazing to think about and bring back to, um, to dog training. Because again, you know, people think, well, how's my dog don- gonna learn how to not choose slippers if I don't leave my slippers out? But think about it. What are you doing by leaving your slippers out? And we're talking about with with puppies. I mean, these are puppies or a dog that's new to a household that's not used to living in an environment with fluffy slippers. You know, the more that we allow them to practice these behaviors, the better they're getting at it. That's not perfect practice. So we really do want to think about it in terms of dog training. We want perfect practice. And I used to always explain this, and you'll read this all the time in different dog training books, but it's really errorless learning. Yeah. You know, is that possible to set up an environment that's really error-free for your for your dogs? Uh, probably not, because management breaks down, but that's really what we're striving for. And that is, you know, to me, errorless learning and, and perfect practice is kind of it's the same same type of thing. You're setting up the environment so they're only doing the right thing and not practicing the wrong thing over and over and over again because they're just honing their skills they're getting better at their timing they're you know they're understanding when when they can get away with what and you know so you want to make sure that it's perfect practice in your favor because perfect practice can go in the other way you will have a dog that's perfect at counter surfing and stealing stuff off of the counter uh if you if you set that environment up over and over and over again
0: yeah, and we all do that.
2: Yeah, and we all we all do that. I, you know, everyone is guilty of it. Everyone is guilty of it. Uh, but it's just it's just so important to to think about that, uh, not letting your dogs get better and better and better and better at these things that we don't want them to get better at: jumping up on people, you know those those biggies, jumping up on people, jumping up on counters going to the bathroom inside of the house. I mean, really any behavior, pulling on a leash, you know, I, I tell my students all the time, we work on loose leash walking in the class and it looks beautiful in the classroom and then class is over and they allow their dog to pull them out of their door, out of the door to their car or the opposite. They come into class with, with their dog dragging them on a leash and then they get to their seat and then it's okay. Now we're, now we're practicing. No, your dog just got much better at pulling you because they just every single time that your dog gets to practice. that behavior they get better at it and you're really competing then any training that you're doing to try to combat that you're always behind you're always behind and you're gonna almost equal zero at the end of the day if you're working endlessly to get your dog to walk nicely on a leash and they do it in the training ring they do it inside of the house they do it up and down your driveway but then you go to the park and let them pull you around they just got better at it so you know there are ways to get around that and there are different pieces of equipment that you could use to help uh, aid in 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 that instance uh, in that example with, with not allowing your dog to pull you there are different techniques that you can use So, that you actually can go to, let's say, the park or a different environment when you don't feel like working on loose leash walking. Uh, So, you know, perfect practice always involves management. So, it's always management. uh, Your first line of defense is how do I get my dog to stop this behavior immediately? You know, so let's say, counter surfing. Well, when they're in the kitchen, they should be in a down stay. We can teach them to lay down and stay um, so that they're not busy up and moving when, they, when they're in the kitchen, when you're in the kitchen preparing food or whatnot. Um, do they have that today? Usually the answer is no, they don't have a down stay. So then how do we stop the behavior immediately so they don't keep getting better at it? So that's management, right? That's crate training. That's um, tethering the dog on a leash to something heavy, but giving them a bone to chew on, having them in a different room, with someone else watching them. and So things like that. So first it's always management. And then we start adding the
0: training in. And it, it, it's interesting. So, so what I'm sitting here listening to you, what, what's going through my mind is that um, clearly having a pet re, uh, requires commitment on the owner's part. And I think there's a misconception probably going through some listeners' minds about the time required to do this. It's not you're not asking them to to. Like, you live and think dog training, right? right. It's like Because you know, going back to Bug, I remember the first, you know, he would he peed on everything. Yeah. And you were just, like, all over him. Yeah. And I just went, Bug, Bug, Bug! <laughs> I remember that. And then, like, just within a few weeks, he's, like, totally cool about things. So, But it, it's, it's not a huge time commitment these people or any of us have to put in. It's X minutes per day, right? It's just thinking about – that's where that Zen meditation thing is. Think about your day. Think about what's going on. So I'm just going to make sure I don't leave the slippers out right type thing and then um so i'm gonna cook dinner so what what i want to make sure that you know holly's not i gotta admit holly's in my face all the time that's my fault <laughs> my fault completely in my face um as sunny used to just lie there Sunny. so yeah but holly's in my, it's, i totally take i'm taking i'm publicly taking <laughs> responsibility hey, for we can all have but, confession. But, yeah so, so, so it's hard. like it's like what's going through my mind is what could i do just to make her you know
2: Chill out yeah, it. right.
0: so right. it's it, it, but it, it's not a humongous time commitment that that um, Stephanie's asking most uh, pet owners to do. It's just commit to it and think about doing that. No, that's great, well,
2: right? And then and yep. then it's just going to make your relationship better, and it's going to make actually having a dog enjoyable. You know, and and, and um, it's just a few things. It's, it's just a few different management techniques that you really need. And look, some people decide that they want that's all they want to do. They just want to manage. They just want to manage and they don't want to do any training. And that's fine. But then your dog gets older and things just start falling into place a little bit more. They're not as hyperactive. They can settle down a little bit and they can rest. Um, you know, they'll decide to go maybe, you know, chew, chew on their bone when you're cooking. You know, so things do kind of start to, the dust starts to, to, to right. settle a little bit as they get older, but um, so some people, like I said, decide to manage and don't do any training. Obviously I'm an advocate for doing, for doing the training so you and your dog have a, um, you know, a common uh, language. Uh, between the two of you um, but it's really not it's not a lot of time and it's just you know it, it's it's something that will go a long way and you know one of my biggest things for management is always the Kongs everyone needs to get their Kongs out and I, I have the Kongs lined up and I'm just it's like a what are those called like a conveyor belt like a oh, production <laughs> like line? A production line yeah. like you know I'm just stuffing Kong 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 and then freezing them um, so that when I need them, you know, I, I have them. And again, with CJ and Daisy, older dogs don't need them so much, but I like to give it to them because it's mentally stimulating. Yeah, they for them. they
0: enjoy it, right? They enjoy it. Yeah. Um, Plus, Bugs got one.
2: <laughs> exactly, it has to be food fair. It has to be fair. But everyone needs to get you know something for their dog to do and 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 fill those fill those kongs because the food is what you know, is going to get them to, to really uh, focus on that versus what, what you're doing or what you don't want them to do. And um, so do it when you don't need it so that when you do need it, you can just hand it to them versus just yelling at them. People feel badly about management. They feel bad about putting their dog in the crate. They feel bad about putting their dog on the leash. They feel bad about putting their dog behind the baby. gate. But really, if you think about it, then when you're not managing, all you're doing is yelling at the dog. Yeah. You know, so it's You've got to look at it that and they're way. They're
0: taking that, oh, I'm getting attention.
2: Yeah. yeah <laughs> you know, mom dad been work wow. all day, but now yeah, they're paying attention great. to me. Yeah. yeah exactly, exactly.
0: What happens if I pee over here? <laughs> yes,
2: I'm experiencing that with
0: my summer. <laughs> But that, that's a different type yeah. of manager. <laughs> 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 any
2: child, any child behavior. <laughs> give us a call. Give us a call. <laughs>
0: okay, and that takes us to our next break. So we'll take a short break and we'll come back with our wonderful discussion with Stephanie Kaluski, owner and head trainer of Heavenly Hounds Dog Training. You're listening to Your Pet Matters on 1077-1077-thebrock.com. 1077, 1077, Time
1: spent with our pets is never wasted, but that's why it's important to take the time to care for their health. And right here is the best place to do it with Your Pet Matters. So let's bring it to their lifelong wellness partner, Dr. T of Progressive Veterinary Care. And let's keep their tails wagging with Your Pet Matters.
0: Um, Welcome back. If you're just joining us, my special guest today is Stephanie Kowalewski, owner and head trainer of Heavenly Health Dog Training right here in Lawrenceville. Um... It's puppy season. It's it's not quite spring. We're sitting in spring weather, but it's supposed to snow tomorrow. Right. You know, the kids at the bus stop had shorts on today. Oh I told them enjoy it because tomorrow yes. you're, you're not gonna. But but it's that time. But we're seeing a lot of puppies come in the door, and uh, and you want to talk about opportunities with puppies.
2: Yeah, having a puppy, you have such amazing opportunities to, to really shape and, and, and mold who your dog is going to be as an adult. And obviously, we always have um, you know nature on our side. We always have genetics also. Um, that, that are playing a role. So, um, that's a whole nother, whole nother podcast, nature and nurture. But, um, as far as, you know, as far as our, uh, ability and our, as far as our efforts go into, into what we're doing with our puppies, um, and making that impact as to you know, what they can be as a, as an adult, there's, there's, there's socialization aspects to that. There's obedience, just, just behavioral aspects to that. So to talk a little bit more about the uh, obedience slash behavioral aspects of that. And then maybe at another time we could talk about, you know, how important that socialization is, which we've talked about before, but, but how important that really is uh, to your puppy and who they will be as an adult. But for, for today, um, talking more about that obedience aspect of it, you know, when you get a puppy, usually these puppies are coming home at about eight weeks, nine weeks of age. And these puppies are so clumsy. They're tripping over their paws. They can barely, you know, keep up with you when you're walking. Uh, you have to take advantage of some of that stuff. When, when your puppy walks up to a, to a person and say hello, most little puppies at eight weeks of age, they're not jumping up. So what I tell people to do at eight weeks of age, when your puppy comes up to someone and just says, hey, reward that. And not just with a good boy or a good girl, because we have to remember that is not inherently rewarding for most dogs. Down the line, they can learn that when we say good girl or good boy is, you know, that, that that is rewarding for them because usually that's been paired with something that they like, like food or play. Uh, but you have to carry that food with you, you have to get the street and you have to be rewarding behaviors um, during the day as your puppy is going throughout their, their lives. Because so many people are missing opportunities to get ahead of things that, that later on become problems, like the jumping up. So again, these puppies are clumsy, they go up to someone to say hello, they're likely not going to jump, so reward that. Your dog's going to go. Oh, this is what I do. When I greet someone, I go. and I, I just stand there and I let them pet me. And I'm going to keep doing that because there's been a huge reinforcement history, uh, you know, for, for this behavior. What what usually ends up happening with jumping? Specifically, is that people wait? All of a sudden, the dog is now. Usually, it's around you know 12, 13, 14 weeks, where the puppy starts actually getting up on people and getting bouncy and, and, and all of that good stuff. Um, that's when we start working the working the issue. We just wasted you know four weeks, five weeks of, of huge reinforcement opportunities for doing the right thing. They're not consciously choosing to do the right thing at eight weeks. It's just that's what their anatomy is allowing them at that point. But that you can still take advantage of that. Don't wait for the problem to start, start training it from the very beginning. So, so things like jumping up, things like laying down and being a tired puppy, which, because when you get them at eight weeks, they're tired puppies and they're sleeping a lot. So when you're in the kitchen and they're laying down in the kitchen, go over and pop a couple little treats in between their paws and and tell them how good they're being for laying down. So we're patterning behaviors and we're molding and we're shaping and we're doing all of those things from day one so that things don't become the issue will usually wait until between four to six months where the dogs are pulling on the leash, doing all of these things to address the issue. We just wasted so much time. So from an obedience behavior perspective, start working on these things from day one so you're rewarding a lot of nothing you're rewarding a lot of nothing you're rewarding really the absence of what your dog could be doing wrong so I talked in an earlier segment about minding your own business teaching the dogs to mind their own business so when you're on a walk with your dog and you're walking down the street with your puppy and they see another dog and they just briefly look at them but then maybe look away or they maybe look back up at you reward that. We want them to just briefly look at a dog. Briefly look at a dog, look back at you. If they look at a dog and they don't look at you, take a treat out and and put it in front of their nose and lure them around back to you. Because again, usually eight-week-old puppies aren't straining at the end of the leash going to get to that other dog, right? They might stop, they might look, they're processing, they might wag their tail but they're not doing all of those things like lunging and barking and and doing those things that we do see in the Peace Walks class later down the road. So um, when they look, when they're processing, make the decision for them. No, the decision after you're looking and processing isn't for you to start getting bouncy and lunging. The decision is, I'm telling you, this is what you do. You look back at me. So teaching them to mind their own business much easier to convince that 8-week, 9-week-old puppy than that 6-month-old from an early age what, how, how to uh, exist in the world that we put them in successfully.
0: And, the, and you don't need, so what, what, where's your best window of opportunity for starting training on a puppy review? For starting training yeah. puppy,
2: the minute you get them seven weeks, eight weeks of age, start, that is that is the very, very, very beginning, start there. And so it doesn't have to be necessarily in a formal class, you know, at seven weeks, um, it, it, it can be, uh, but I'm talking about Right at home, you know. Right at home. Yeah,
0: everything you're talking about is doable at home. Completely. Doable at
2: home, and you know, it's not about overstuffing your dog and getting overweight dogs too. You're gonna feed your dog, right? You're gonna feed them kibble. You, I'm assuming you have this new dog. You're 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 going to provide for them, right? So just portion out their food and use their kibble so they just might not get as much if anything out of the bowl that day there are days where my dogs get nothing out of a bowl because they've worked for every morsel of their food Uh, that happens more with bug than it does because he's newer right and he's more kind of like in training cj and daisy if you can believe it are 11 and 12 at this point so um you know they they don't have as many of those training days so to speak but bug we're on the road a lot he's at school a lot with me and uh, so there are days that I might put one piece of kibble in a bowl or else he'll look at me like really you're feeding these two and you're not feeding me <laughs> I probably don't have to do that but you know he tugs up my heartstrings a little bit so um
0: and then you give him one <laughs> he
2: has one he ever look like, at one what? and go what what, <laughs> what? Yeah. one good thing he doesn't have a middle finger <laughs> um, yeah so so it's really 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 important to to think of it that way you know that, you're not you're not overindulging your dog, make them ask them to work for their food a little bit. And dogs love that. We've really made their lives so boring. Yeah,
0: a, that, that's food. the concept. I think that's a misconception people have is that is that oh, I'm I'm, I'm stressing my dog out because I'm working them. You know, they just want to no. just, yeah. yeah. I, th- I think that they, a lot
2: of dogs are bored. Yep, and they and I think they've like. done studies on this actually show that dogs and I don't know how they measure this, but the dogs actually prefer working for their food, like with you know, out of something like a food puzzle, than getting it out of a bowl. And I know just from my own personal experience, my dogs they get excited when they know it's dinner time. and They see the bowls, but if I break out. Something for them to, to work at to put that kibble in, they just they they get even more excited. They're bouncing even higher. They're they're really excited mm. to work. Really excited to work. Um, so remember that. And even on these nice days coming up, if you have a safe fenced-in area, backyard, a porch, I like to even uh, go in, and this is great for kids to do: spread some of that kibble out on the porch. Oh yeah. Uh, put it in the grass and ask them to hunt for their food a little bit. They really like that. Um, yeah, so just ask them to work for their food a little bit. So we're not getting overweight dogs. We're just portioning out their kibble appropriately. But with these young puppies and even rescue dogs, if you rescue a dog that's a little bit older, there's usually this little honeymoon period that they go through where they're not quite themselves. Yeah. And it usually yes. lasts about six months, but it, it okay. depends on the dog, where they're kind of like on their best behavior, so yeah. to speak. So, yeah. So again, you know, the dog isn't so secure in their environment because you just got them. You're walking down the street. You know your new rescue dog sees another dog. Unless they've come with like some serious, you know, behavioral baggage, they're probably going to just glance at that dog and go, "Huh, there's a dog. Not quite sure what I think of that." I'm putting the treat in front of your nose and turning your head towards me. I'm telling you what you think about that and what you're going to do about that. You're going to look at me. Remember, dogs find views very frustrating. Watching. We don't want dogs watching don't you know, unless they can go. So if I, if I lived on a farm and I had a Border Collie or if I lived on a farm and I had a Great Pyrenees, you know, my dog would be watching and then if they saw something, they could go and they could do something with it. Yeah. But that's where this leash reactivity comes from a lot of the times. These dogs are watching all day while we're at work from behind the window. They're watching the dogs go by and barking at them. They're watching the squirrels go by and barking at them. And then they're watching when they're on the leash and they're freaking out about that. So Again, views are very frustrating for our domesticated dogs um, because they can't do anything about it. We, enjoy, you know, we're sitting out here at a place we will not mention. Right? <laughs> we're, not have, but we're sitting out here on this beautiful day, and we're watching the squirrels. We're watching, you know, all, all of the things go by. And uh, obviously, they put chairs out here because human beings like to do that. You know, Dr. T, you're not like squirrel. And trying to run after the squirrel. And truly, I am. I did really well. You know, you, you don't have this instinct to go chase after everything that you're seeing. I don't know, maybe if someone like jogs by with like the donut. I was going to say a donut. Or, or like purple uh, cow your, ice cream. Yeah, purple <laughs> cow ice cream. Or like a keg. Or those vanilla, what do you
0: say, those vanilla? Um, oh, those
2: vanilla cupcakes. Yeah. Yeah. They're, yeah. So, they're uh, so good. But you know, so, so you, you get what I'm saying. We don't have this instinct to like go and chase things down like dogs do. And uh, so we're, we're really frustrating them on a daily basis when we allow them to just watch and watch and watch. And then we say, stop it. You're not allowed to. Nope. 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 Stop. Zip it.
0: No, that's a very good point. That's a very good point. And what, with that, we'll take a short break and uh, come back with some more interesting discussion with Stephanie Kaluski. Stay tuned to 107.7, thebronc.com. Time spent with our pets is never wasted,
1: but that's why it's important to take the time to care for their health. And right here's the best place to do it with Your Pet Matters. So let's bring it to their lifelong wellness partner, Dr. T of Progressive Veterinary Care, and let's keep their tails wagging with Your Pet Matters.
0: Welcome back, if you're just joining us, my special guest today is Stephanie Kaluski. Owner and head trainer of Heavenly Hounds Dog Training right here in Lawrenceville. Um, We've been talking about the opportunities you have with puppies um, and missed opportunities. We've been talking how perfect practice makes perfect, not just practice makes perfect. Um, and and she gave us a little history mm-hmm. about how she got into this business. But she wanted to, to delve more into um, training. And, and the question I had for you um, during the break was mm-hmm. that you know every. Every reward tends to be food motivated for the most part for for a lot of pets, right? And so um, I always get this in in the room while my my dog doesn't respond to food, so what do I do? And the look of shock on my face, because I'm a lab, right? (laughs)
2: Right, 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 right. (laughs) A lot of people are German shepherds. They don't get it because, you know, German shepherds don't find food so rewarding a lot of the time. (laughs) But we'll talk about that because German shepherds specifically uh, can find food very rewarding. Sometimes we have to play around with the food a little bit, but um, it also brings up the topic that a lot of dogs are also very play motivated. So, you know, when you're teaching a behavior, you need to use that primary reinforcer. And for dogs, that is food. They need food to survive. Um, So it doesn't mean that for the rest of my life, if my dog sits nicely in front of me in the kitchen, that I'm going to give them a treat. Uh, you know, once the dog has learned the the, the behavior in a specific environment and in a specific setting, I can start bringing another real life reward. So they get they get attention, they get they get petting if the dog likes that. You know, if, if assuming that the dog really likes that, they get play, they get access to things like the back door opens, let's go outside. So they start to to we start to use these behaviors um, and and teach the dogs that they can gain access to things and. Um, they kind of work their way you know through the, through the day, so to speak, um, by giving us these established behaviors. Um but we were talking about uh, leash reactivity before, and, and dogs lunging and barking on leash, and, and I do hear a lot of, I do hear that a lot. Well, my, my dog just isn't food motivated, so what am I going to do? Or uh, you know, my dog is, is, is barking or, or lunging, and I've tried to, to, to feed them or give them a treat, and they don't care about the food. so um, a couple of things on that topic. One is that I think that all food do- dogs are food motivated because, like I said, they need food to survive dogs are absolutely just like humans where we have different preferences they have different preferences They have different, some dogs are more food motivated than other dogs for sure. Uh, So some dogs will eat anything that you put in front of their face at any time, no matter what is going on. Uh, And other dogs are are much harder to uh, convince that they should eat something and feel good versus maybe lunging and reacting at that other dog. Uh, So specifically talking about leash reactivity, that dog that's lunging and barking at the end of the leash. A lot of the times, most people think, okay, I need to use food for this. And what they do is they try to use Food after the dog has already started lunging and reacting, and what's happened there is that we, we've we've gotten the dog too late. The dog is already in the red zone. They're in the completely emotional part of their brain. Their thinking, logic part of the brain has has shut off. Uh, so you know, not only are they not going to do something like maybe respond to their name and sit when you ask them to, which they normally maybe could do when they weren't so emotional. A lot of the times they're also not going to eat because think about it. If you're super stressed, if you're super scared, if you're, you know, whatever that huge emotional state is that we're, that we're thinking about in a split second, if someone offered you a piece of, of, of candy or cake or something, sometimes you're just too far gone. You know, if, if you're petrified of spiders and the spider's right there and you're already freaking out and someone says, well, why don't you have a slice of pizza? You're like, no, I've got to, I've got to get out of here. I've got to defend myself. I don't care about the pizza. I don't care how hungry I am. I've got to protect my, my life. I have to survive so yeah, it's the I would same thing like and right <laughs> so yes, you are a lap um, but uh, but what if um, what if I saw what if I was afraid of a spider and I saw it at maybe a tolerable different uh, a distance and then someone uh, what, the minute I saw the spider at that tolerable distance someone offered me that slice of pizza so now we're getting somewhere because I'm not so emotional that I'm fleeing that I'm that I'm that I'm freaking out um, I can see it, but I'm also saying, oh, every time I see that spider, someone is offering me a slice of pizza. I'm, I'm gonna start feeling better about that spider, and over time, slowly, we can start decreasing the distance between me and that spider. Um, and I'm gonna actually uh, anticipate that slice of pizza and start feeling good uh, when I see the spider because I know I'm what's coming next. I'm gonna, yeah, too, right? I'm gonna start looking. I'm gonna look, start looking for the spider. Show me some spiders because I want some pizza, uh, okay. right? So um, it, it's the same thing most of the time when people are trying to do this training, you know, working with a reactive dog, let's say, they uh, have caught up too late. They're trying to feed the dog when the dog is already in that uh, emotional state, um, and also distance. We're we're really we're, we're asking the dog to confront their fear or their foe or whatever we're going to say it is um, at a distance that's just really too close. So you know, think about your neighborhood. We're we're asking the dog to remain calm when they see another dog. I don't know what's a, a street, maybe 20 feet away. Sometimes not even that. So a a lot of the times people are not successful at these types of programs, um, desensitization, counter conditioning your dog, because they're catching things too late, trying to feed after the dog is already in the red zone, and they're t- way too close. So, you know, you really have to work on proximity. You really have to work on, I I maybe if we're talking dogs again, seeing another dog. I see that dog. I might pull up into someone's driveway Mm -hmm. to increase the distance, pull into someone's, you know, pull up into someone's lawn. I might have to hide behind a car or a bush Mm -hmm. and just, you know, increase that distance. So it's not so intense for my dog, you know, where they can't handle it. I don't want to be half, I don't want to have to be jumping behind cars for the rest of my life, but, but we have to start somewhere. Um, also, with the food, some people say, well, I've tried this, and I'll say, okay, well, what are you using? And they pull out a milk bone. A lot of the times, we're just not um, trying to, to to motivate our dog sufficiently enough. A lot of the times, we're giving our dogs these same milk bones inside of the kitchen for doing absolutely nothing, for just being cute. Here's the milk bone. Here's something dry. Uh, so you really have to think about it. Well, you know, what what is going to be motivating for your dog? You have to use something that your dog just absolutely never gets and will blow your dog's mind. Obviously, things that are healthy. So we'll use a lot of grilled chicken, a lot of lean beef. We'll, we will use some hot dogs, maybe mixed in with those with that chicken. So obviously, we've got to talk to to vets about stomachs and things like that, um, and what is safe and, and high value for us to use for our dogs. Um, so make sure that you're using something really good. Your timing is excellent. The minute your dog sees that that other dog, if that's what the issue is, we'll start, we're start we're we're going we're we're moving into action, right then. People use things like Ziploc bags. A Ziploc bag is gonna get in the way of good training. I mean, by the time, you you know, your dog sees that dog, I see that dog, I dig into my pocket, I'm trying to open the Ziploc bag, it's done. The dog is already lunging. You know, as silly as it is, or as you think it might be, you need to get one of those treat pouches so you can just be ready to go. You can just dig right in it is it is and you know i i want to have like a bedazzling party at heavenly hounds where we're all gonna like you know bedazzle do you remember bedazzle
0: uh well i never did it but i know <laughs> sure
2: dr t i saw your bedazzled bag in the back of your car when you pulled up you just yeah yeah <laughs> Bling. No, I know what you're talking yeah. yeah yeah right so you know we can decorate our uh, our, our bags but seriously you've got to have a tree pouch you just can't get around it unless you want to get i did just get a new training vest and my husband made fun of me. Uh, it's, it's really cool. I think it's a really cool training vest. It has all these pockets. and So I can put treats everywhere. It's a pocket for a tug toy. I can hang my clicker off. Let me tell you. It's special. So anyway, you need to be and prepared. You to and you have to all that, yeah. You just, you need to be prepared. And don't let, and this is, I took this from Adrienne Carson of Live and Learn Dogs. Don't let food, the bad food, get in the way of training. Don't be bad, don't let bad food be the reason why your dog failed at this. And we say that all the time in Peace Walks because Adrienne and I, we, we co-teach that. Um, yeah, and, and she says it all the time. What do you have, like first week, week one? people, you know, we try to tell people good food, but we still, we get, we get sometimes the people that are bringing in dry stuff. stuff. Exactly. (laughs) My dog loves carrots. We get that a lot. My dog loves carrots. I'm sure they do when you're in the house doing nothing. They love carrots, but we need some really good stuff. So you have to evaluate that. You have to evaluate that. And we're not bribing the dogs we're not going to have to have food, you know, hopefully forever. And I'm saying hopefully because in some cases, you know, you might. Um, but it's it's a matter of we're really trying to brainwash these dogs and, it's, and so just quickly, make just it the, associations. Just we
0: have left is, is for, the, for the play. So for that, toy, oh, yeah. that German mm-hmm. Shepherd. Um, tug toy? Or oh, toy?
2: tug toy, yeah. squeaker toy. So I'll keep a little squeaker. Okay. Um, she mm-hmm.
0: has one. Oh, she's got it. It's like a friendly
2: a frog, Dr. T. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Or I think it is. um, No, maybe it's not a frog. What is it? I don't know. (laughs) So it's green. (laughs) Here we go. So my, my play motivated dog, uh, we're walking down the street. We see a dog. I'm going to squeak it. I get that head turn. Okay, and I'm not going to give my huge pit pull this little thing. He'd swallow it in a gulp, but what I can do is maybe hold on to it and let him play with it a little, a little bit in his mouth. Or what happens a lot of the time, if we squeak this, their head turns, it's about getting that head turn, then they can take food. Yeah, yeah. If they're staring at that other dog, they can't take food. So it's it's squeaking this, getting that head turn. Then that allows us to maybe increase that distance away from the other dog, back into the driveway. Then we can start playing um, sticks, picking up a stick, letting the dog tug on a stick, toss a stick. Absolutely a little tug toy that you can keep into your pocket. Um, A lot of German Shepherds love tennis balls. So dog equals, Hey, catch that tennis ball. So, um, absolutely. And I don't want it to always be about food. I don't want any of the training to always be that they're expecting food. We want the dogs to learn that that play is just as valuable playing with me, playing with a toy, Um, And using real life rewards, Uh, looking away from the dog. Great. Let's go sniff over here. Let's use go go sniff as a reward, things like that. So, yeah, so lots of different uh, options. But usually food is the place where we where we do need to start. And sometimes it's a matter of adjusting the dog's diet, too. If I know that I'm going to take my dog on a walk at three o'clock where I'm likely to maybe see some other dogs. I'm probably not going to feed them breakfast that morning. If I have a large dog that can handle not having breakfast and, and not eating for a period of, of time, I might save their food or, or save their appetites and, uh, and, do, and, and save their appetite for um, when I need it, for, for when I'm in the presence of those other dogs. But also remembering I'm not walking at 6 o'clock where I'm going to see – 12 dogs depending on the neighborhood if I have a reactive dog I'm starting very slowly and then maybe going to the six o'clock time when my dog is ready yeah so there's lots of little adjustments that you can make that make a huge difference
0: that's all that's all great advice well I, we're out of time okie dokie you know it's, it's such great advice it takes up it takes up so much time and time just flies up so, so how can people reach you Stephanie
2: Info at Heavenly Hounds she Dog. Just took a <laughs> her
0: corporate coffee. There.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, Heavenly info at Heavenly Hounds Training. Com. <laughs> <laughs> no
0: website. Your second question.
2: Website. Uh, www.HeavenlyHoundstraining.com. So it's 609-610-2037. I know, <laughs> I know, isn't that bad? You just put references. Like, yeah. like it's like for, Kelly. It's first
0: three letters of someone's name and that's it. Yeah, yeah.
2: mine is like Kelly, parenthesis, babysitter. <laughs> Jackie, parenthesis, dog sitter. You know, it's, yeah.
0: You might call one for the other. Right? <laughs> yeah. One of those things. Yeah. Well, well, time's up, everyone. And, and thanks for lifting. I'm uh, listening. For, uh, on behalf of Stephanie and myself, remember, love like your pet like they love you unconditionally. Have a great day.
2: Thank you for seeing our doctor this morning. You have been listening to Your Pet Matters, the number one pet healthcare show in Mercer County. Your follow-up appointment is next Saturday at 10 a.m. Tune in to hear Dr. Michael Takiwa of the Animal Hospital at Kingston and Blauenberg, along with his expert guests as they share their knowledge and experiences to help your pet live a long, happy, and healthy life. Want to catch up on Dr. T's advice? Click on the Your Pet Matters page at 1077thebronc.com. Your Pet Matters is underwritten by the Pet Wellness Professionals of the Animal Hospital at Kingston and Blauenberg. Small Hospital, big Medicine. For more information, it's BarkMeOutVets.com or like the Animal Hospital of Kingston and Blumberg on Facebook. Tune in next week at 10 for another edition of Your Pet Matters exclusively on 107.7 The Bronc and 1077theBronc.com. <coughs>
1: That's all for this week's visit with your pet's lifelong wellness partner, Dr. T at Progressive Veterinary Care. Progressive Veterinary Care, making waves in pet health care. To access more information online, go to ProgressiveVeterinaryCare.com. And be sure to stay tuned to 1077 The Bronx every Saturday at 10 a.m. to keep up with your pet's health with Your Pet Matters. Only on 1077 The Bronx.